Welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I very much appreciate you spending part of your day with me and my wonderful guest on today's program. Uh, It is Friday, October 29th, 2021, and I am coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. On today's program, college football with my good friend and fellow University of North Georgia alumni, Matt Green, week nine. Yeah, week nine. Uh, The Chase Thomas Podcast is brought to you by the Blue Wire Pod Network. So go check out all the wonderful 200 plus now shows across our excellent network. Also, make sure to go check out the team at Outsider on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, etc., where being an outsider is what we have in common. Thanks to our sponsors today for the show. Um, Also, just quickly, uh, I wanted to touch on this before we get into today's episode with Matt Green. Um, Braves 1-1 heading back to Atlanta uh, tomorrow night. Red out. Braves were in red on Friday night. Uh, Feels bad. Um, I'm pretty dubious. I'm not going to lie. Going down the way they did uh freed struggling morton gone for the remainder of the postseason now like when you're you're optimistic about tucker davidson and kyle Wright in the end of october you're like if they can do something for us then maybe um you're in more trouble than you realize um no dh when we're back don't like that don't like solaire being out of the lineup that uh that scares me um thankfully this is finally going to be over and a thing of the past um Brantley and Altuve, I saw our World Series MVP favorites at the moment. I think Freeman's the highest brave, and he's like the fourth behind Kyle Tucker as well, plus 1,100, I want to say. Um, Stroh's, like I said, favored one and a half to, tonight on uh, in game three. Uh, is it cool to have Tucker Davidson back? I guess. Um, I, I saw this from Talking Chop, the great Atlanta Braves blog on SB Nation. Uh, quote, Given his pitch limit was 45 three weeks ago, it's fair to assume it's at least uh, that now, which would be which would buy the Braves two to three innings. I mean, yeah, it's just you can't overexpect what Davidson can provide. I think people need to be careful with what they're expecting. Kyle Wright, got just be be grateful for what you get at this point. Um, but yeah, he he pitched well uh, in game two, and hopefully that can continue because uh, they still need a lot out of guys like Kyle Wright. Um, yeah, shifting. Obviously, it backfired in that four-run inning, but, you know, it happens. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Buck Blue, 6 of the Fam, went against it. I was listening this morning to his show on 6 of the Fam, but uh, really, really went after the decision to have um, the shift on in that play. But um, the Braves have shifted a lot in the second half of the season. The numbers are there. They've played great defense with the shift. Um, it was a huge part of what happened in game one and game two it just backfired it's how baseball works sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but we remember the negative and forget the positive it's just how our our dumb brains work um but yeah we'll see game three tonight uh great college football weekend slate the falcons are on sunday um great nfl slate uh halloween weekend very exciting stuff very exciting stuff but uh that is all i've got uncle darren Let's go. Chase Thomas pod, the Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas and I am joined as I am twice a week during this college football season. My good friend and fellow University of North Georgia alumni, it's Matt Green. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you? 
Good evening, sir. It is uh, good to be back. Week nine of the college football season. I'm, uh, I'm ready for it, man. We're almost done. How are we already in week nine? Yeah, you know, I try not to think about it. You know, we just we wait all year for college football season, and then it's uh, it's gone before you know it. But well, we're only seven games in, so uh, we still got this. Is, this will be the eighth game for a lot of teams, so we still we still got a it's about the halfway point, I guess. That's true. That's true. Um, just a lot of stuff overlapping right now. The Braves have ruined my week. Um, they're gonna ruin tomorrow, my weekend as a whole. Um, what are hold we looking on, at? Hold on. Mm-hmm. We, first World Series appearance in 22 years, and we're we're worried about you like not like losing a couple hours of sleep. Is that is that what I'm hearing right now? No, it's not sleep. It's just another thing to watch. Like it's just I I would like to be able to focus on football. Like the Braves just being like I you know what's crazy? I I thought about this after where I'm like I don't think I want the Braves to be consistently great. I don't want it unless they move the schedule like move it to summer let's move the schedule around we have this blank period in the summertime um that we're just wasting away but now it's just so much man the hawks play tonight you got the braves this week we got the falcons on sunday we have a stat college football slate it's it's a lot man it's a lot to watch yeah i almost feel like the hawks need to like delay their season right like mm-hmm. no one no one's watching the hawks right incorrect now. i'm watching the hawks it's a much the better Atlanta, watch. Over Atlanta in two and a half hours, fans. we're great. We just lost tonight, three and well, two. They're, but they're more relevant nationally than they've been, and you know maybe ever right now. Mm. But so there is people watching the Hawks, but the Atlanta sports fans are not watching the Hawks right now. They're all in on they're all in on the Bravos. It's true. Are uh, are you going to be able to go at it to any of the games this weekend? Oh man, I wish. I thought I was going to be able to like just kind of incrementally like raising the prices for like the get in price you know i'm like oh well paid 40 for the nl nlds you know 75 for the nlcs i'm ready to pay 200 250 (laughs) for a world series ticket like standing room only no man uh i was on like because i bought playoff tickets so i was like on that like the initial like where you could get in at monday at like 1 p.m mm-hmm. and yeah 500 bucks for like the cheapest get in now like secondary websites like nine hundred thousand bucks for the cheapest seat so unfortunately and that's standing room only yeah exactly like that's the that's the worst seat in the house thousand dollars <laughs> right now like <laughs> your boy doesn't have funds like that so uh i'll be watching it i'll be watching it at home for sure mm. saturday yeah. The Astros ruined what could have been like one of the greatest Saturdays of all time, though. You know, cocktail party and then potentially clinching game, uh, clinching game of the World Series. But oh, you're optimistic. Sadly, sadly the Braves are not going to win in four. You're optimistic. I mean, they're not favored um, the rest of the way, and I think the Astros are favored tomorrow night by a game and a half. Um, Morton oh, going down not. is just brutal. Just brutal. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think they're going to win the series. Uh, I'm rooting for it, but I, I think uh, this is trending in the wrong direction. My, I would be surprised. I mean, pleasantly yeah. surprised. Obviously, want it to happen, but I am, I am doubtful. I'm dubious about where this is going. It'll be a, it'll be an awesome sports weekend, though, man. Braves it will be, a, yeah, it'll be a good sports Friday, weekend. Saturday, Sunday, like could be the um, last three games we ever see uh, pitchers hitting. In yeah, the to me, league. delightful. <laughs> delightful you don't, you don't like that automatic out in the lineup that that doesn't do anything for you well it's also the last baseball game we're seeing until 2023 i don't think there's gonna be a season next year um what 
yeah no unless things really change things are bad um i don't know if you remember just how ugly it got um last year before the season and what they had to do but the they have the worst relationship uh players association and owners wise in all the major sports leagues and uh there's just a lot unsettled and there's a lot of animosity and um based on people i've talked to and based on the it's uh it's very unlikely at the very least like you're not getting baseball until midsummer i think at the earliest but I don't think you're you're getting baseball for a while. It's gonna be bad. They've already, like, I think, canceled the winter meetings. Um, but yeah, the strike will probably start. I think on the second, December second, and uh, I don't know. It, it, I would be very very surprised if we get a full. Like, I would be floored if we get a full baseball season next well, year. Uh, well, let's cross that bridge when we get there. Right. That's why you kind of want to do it now because I don't know what the future holds. Um, but yeah, we'll see. And like I said, I don't want to make it seem like I'm rooting against the Braves. Or I'm not like happy about it. It's just the timing. <laughs> it's just a lot. Matt, these people who are like, oh, that was great. You know what they're doing? They're not doing anything else. They're just watching the Braves, hanging out. You're like, and hey, look, you listen to my podcast. You folks are awesome. Uh, I'm just saying, when you have to watch a lot of this stuff and you have a lot on your plate and you got a lot to read, it's just, you're like, man, I, I have to watch because they're my team. So I, like, I would just... I have to prioritize it, and these games are so long. Four hours. Like, they're all just so long. None of them are short, and baseball has to fix this. Like, a Hawks game's done. Two hours. Done. Done. And it's a breeze. These games are four hours. We're, like, an hour and a half in, and they're in the bottom of the third, and you're just like, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Yeah, these games have been super long, but, um, you know, I can't really feel bad for you. <laughs> I know. After all that, I was like, I'm not going to turn that. Uh, I want to win it all. I want to win it all too, man. Can we just push it to like December or can we move it back to July? Let's do that. Let's win it all in July when there's nothing else going on. Um, it's nice with the Braves planned so deep into October though. Like mm-hmm. I have my Braves hoodie. Okay. And I just don't, I mean, I can wear it anytime, you know, I can wear it every year, but it's like you wear it more when it's still baseball season, you know? So i getting like several extra weeks out of my Braves hoodie. So it's like still relevant. So I'm excited about that. Do you know what it is? You know what I just realized what it is? So college baseball, the College World Series ends in May. I had all my attention. I don't know if you saw Tennessee. So you're like, you're familiar with a, a, a school where you literally don't prioritize anything else other than your football team. Like everything else is a dumpster fire. The basketball team's going to be the worst in the SEC this year. Hey, whatever makes the baseball you feel team sucks. For not having a good football team, you know, whatever, whatever helps you sleep at night. Look, Tennessee, we make sure we cover the bases, whether it's rowing, um, women's basketball, uh, whether it's uh, women's soccer, the Lady Vols soccer team's awesome. Um, we're just elite across the board, and Danny White has done a great job of ensuring that our uh, university does not overemphasize one particular area where it's just like, oh, we're a four-month Danny year. has been there for what, like six months? Irrelevant. And then <laughs> I just I wonder, Georgia, like, for you. Georgia's really good at a lot of sports. They're just terrible at, like, men's basketball and like and baseball more. i mean they were they were they've been decent in recent years like they've been to the college world series and stuff Long time SEC, ago. gordon beckham's not walking through that door they've been since then haven't they i don't think so but regardless sec is like super deep in baseball they there was a couple years ago they were like the 20th ranked team in the country and they were like the eighth ranked team in the sec or something like that so but, well, we're playing for college world series every year here with tony vitello um uh, rick yeah, barnes putting here. five star after five star like the, I can't. Tennessee fans would trade all of that for an SEC 
champion. Oh, I would not at all. That's ridiculous. Oh, no. No chance in hell, man. Are you kidding me? Football is always king. It's four months out of the year. Give me, I want uniform. Like I want a, uh, I want a full calendar of competency. And we've right now with Hypel, Barnes, and Vitello, like that is a murderer's row of just competence for nine to 10 months a year. Okay. Okay. This isn't, this isn't a Tennessee all sports <laughs> Yes, all right. I just want to remind the uh, the listeners of that. <laughs> but that is true. That's what I was thinking about. I was like, but I was able, the point of me bringing that up was that like I was able to completely invest in Tennessee baseball this spring because there's nothing else going on. Like I had nothing else going on. You just yeah. had regular season baseball. So like the postseason happening then, it had all my attention. Like that's, that's what I wish the Brave season ended during this time because then I would just be losing it. But there's just so much other stuff. And like, I'm not going to lie to you. Like if I had to pick between like the world series or coastal versus app state, like I'm I'll count Get see out of here. You're not a brave fan. If that's the case, I'm saying the heart wants what the heart wants. Um, Matt green. Get out of here. Conference USA in shambles. My friend, it, you know, what's so sad. They're all upset when you read the reports. They're like a lot of just people, good folks there. Like, I don't know what middle Tennessee is doing. Like they're, the Blue Raiders are getting left out in the cold. I don't know what their options are going to be, as because the Sun Belt's full, sir. James Madison, Old Dominion, uh, Marshall, and Southern Miss all make the jump to the Sun Belt. The Sun Belt's now fourteen teams starting in twenty twenty three. The Sun Belt. I mean, we already called it the Fun Belt, but the Sun Belt is is legit, and it is just must see television. And I am so so excited. Like a lot of great teams, and if Billy Napier stays at ull for a while terry bowden keeps us up at the warhawk country in monroe and you look around and sean clark's doing a great job at app state you have our guy friend of the pod jamie chadwell killing it at coastal like the sunbelt is top three um watchability like what we thought like what we loved about maction sunbelt has flipped that on its head and just turned it into a much better version of that and it's great um, I can't wait to see one of these teams in the playoff every year when it expands to 12. Like these, they're just fun. Like every Sunbelt team is about to be just interesting. And the Sunbelt conference is, is awesome. Doing great work. Shout out I'm to them. I'm skeptical of the 12 team playoff, to be honest. I think this, this most recent realignment, I think, I think it's going to kind of change some things. I'm not, I'm like not hundred percent sure we're going to get to 12, but in terms of the Sunbelt, like, yeah, like you said, Middle Tennessee State, like they were in the Sun Belt. Now they're getting uh, yeah, they're getting the shaft behind. now. But it's it makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Like you could easily see them becoming kind of the the class of the group of five, right? Because with the we all know like college football is the biggest in the Southeast, right? Just football mm. in general is the biggest in the Southeast. So you're you're essentially like SEC junior if you can if you can. Be- build a, a legitimate conference and with what the with what's going on with the transfer portal like you're gonna see you know the the marshall and the the uab is uab in the sunbelt they go in the sunbelt right yes no they're going to the aac oh they're going to the aac but yeah you could easily see the app states of the world and the georgia southerns and coastal carolinas just stacking their rosters with georgia transfers and auburn transfers and florida transfers like i feel like that's they're going to position themselves to be i think the the next best group of five because the aac is just losing so many teams with uh with all these teams going to the big 12 i wonder if they're really going to be able to you know stay atop 
that group of five level with losing some of their marquee brands like UCF and Cincinnati. No, I think the Sun Belt's just right there. I think it's going to be the Sun Belt. And like you said, it's the recruiting aspect where kids who don't work out at the SEC schools, they just move not too far over and they're still in SEC country and it's going to be easy for them to make that jump back if they perform well enough at the Sun Belt schools. I, I think that's what's ultimately going to happen here. I think they're going to they're going to clean up on the East Coast and the Southern regions, but my guess. Yeah, I can see it. But I just, I feel bad, man. Like, what do you do if you're WKU, Middle Tennessee, I mean, FIU now, um, UTEP. Uh, Texas San Antonio is, I think, the most interesting here, right? Because they're undefeated. Um, it might get really bad in a hurry at UT San Antonio because Jeff Trailer is the favorite to get the Texas Tech job, which we can talk about, um, too, that just opened up this week. It seems like it's down to him or Sonny Dykes taking over that job after Matt Wells got laid off. Um, but... I don't know. Like they're the Roadrunners have built their program and it's solid. It's on good footing. Um, I don't know. I don't know what you do there. It, it kind of sucks for for programs like that because it's. I think they've done everything right and they've built this thing out of nothing and now they're kind of left out in the dust. I don't really know what they can do. Mountain West, I guess, is the team or the conference that steps up here a little bit. But or do they go independent? Like, do we get these remaining schools just going the independent route? I don't know. Do you go back to FCS? Yeah, honestly, going independent isn't the worst thing just because to make sure you join the right conference, right? Mm-hmm. Like with all the craziness, like like someone like UAB, like I just said, like if if the if the Sun Belt becomes a more legitimate conference, like the UAB needs to be right there in the middle of all that, right? They fit the new brand that the Sun Belt seems like they're trying to build. But um yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting how however it all unfolds. Were you surprised to see Matt Wells uh, let go by the Red Raiders? Um, I was honestly like Texas Tech. We all know like they they haven't been what they were in the past. Like Mike Leach, like those years are are so far away. But like I mean, Cliff Kingsbury was there for like what five years or so. Like they weren't good under him either. So and yet Matt here Wells, he is undefeated in the NFL, yeah, just right? as we all expected. Yeah. And I, I was definitely one of those people who, who talked shit about that move. You're just like, okay, so you're a terrible co- college coach, <laughs> but I think you could be a great NFL coach. But, um, yeah, it's turned out to be the case. I mean, and some guys, you know, if recruiting is just such a big part of the college game. Like, you could just be a good coach, but you're not as good as the whole assembling the talent and all that. So, um, yeah, shout out to Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals trying to – trying to get a win here on Thursday night. But um, I was surprised by Matt Wells. Like, the, the first two years weren't weren't good. But, I mean, they're 5-3 and three right now. They just lost this past week. But I would think this, this is a step in the right direction. So I'm just kind of – I think I was confused by the timing of that more than anything else. He made a mistake leaving Utah State. That was a good gig. And with the Power 5 and Group of 5 going away, I think he probably should have waited that one out. Um, I think it was a bad fit for him in Lubbock. I don't, I don't know. I think and uh, I think that's another one of those moves, right? Of these guys mm-hmm. just it's a no-brainer. It's well, uh, yeah, they're in the they're in a Power 5 conference. I obviously have to leave my small school for that mm-hmm. place, but it's it's not always better. It is not. Um Jordan Love was not on this roster to to <laughs> assist uh Mr. Mr. Wells. I don't know. It will be interesting if Sonny Dykes cuz his dad obviously coached um at Texas Tech a long time ago. Um, he's killing it undefeated right now at SMU. Both coaches who are the favorites are undefeated in the state of Texas. 
um, which should not be a surprise, I don't think, um, in on the Lubbock uh, trajectory. But we shall see what happens here. But I think it's an interesting job. I guess the last thing I want to point out, or I guess the last thing I want to ask you is that, like, with Texas and Oklahoma leaving for the SEC and Texas Tech staying in the Big 12, do you think that job has more appeal now? Because if you get the right coach in there, there's, like, you get all the major Texas competition out of there that, like, is that suddenly maybe the, like, do you, can you make a case that it's the best Big 12 job open? Or best I'll Big 12 make, job I'll available? Make case, I'll make a case for you right now. Every job in the Big 12 is now worse mm. because of Oklahoma and Texas leaving. Like, I feel like the conference isn't a power conference anymore. Like, it's not truly a power five by any means, you know? Like, who's the best team? Like, just the best brand in this conference, like best program all overall, is it Oklahoma State, Baylor, Iowa State? Like these are not juggernauts by any means. So like, while you might start to win more games and compete for conference titles, and you know if, if that's put you in the playoff, that definitely makes you a better, makes it a better job. But I don't know. I feel like with just so many eyeballs leaving that conference just from Oklahoma and Texas leaving. I wonder, I wonder if it brings almost the whole whole conference down. Like Texas Tech is definitely more a legit, a more legit contender in that conference now. But it's just, what does that even mean? Like, does that even carry any weight anymore? Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see what happens here. But uh, I think you make a good case there. Um, you have a you have something you wanted to discuss on the Big Ten, though. I do. Okay. I'm um, looking at. Uh, the Big Ten schedule, um, you know, it's about to be a whole lot of fun. And this is my biggest complaint about the SEC is the mm-hmm. scheduling. Like, so many teams are playing cupcakes, right? But get that out of the way in September. Like, if you're going to play the cupcakes, just do it in September. Like, it's just, there's so many of these SEC schedules, especially in the East, where so many teams playing an ACC team last week of the season. You got that mid-November cupcake that just totally throws off the momentum of the drama of a college football season. The Big Ten does not have that problem. We are going to see all these ranked teams playing each other. But right now, this conference has four teams in the top ten, and I'm not sure if they're, if any of them are actually good. Like, Ohio State, I'm not going to include them because we just kind of always know what Ohio State is, and Ohio State looks like they're becoming the, the same dominant team they kind of are every year. But if you dig in with, right now, number six, Michigan, number eight, Michigan State, number nine, Iowa. Michigan right now has played has four Big Ten wins. Three of those teams had a losing record. And Wisconsin is the best team they've played. Michigan State is 7-0 and and has played seven teams with losing records that currently have losing records. And even Iowa, they have the wins over Penn State and Iowa State. But they don't play Ohio State, they don't play Michigan, they don't play Michigan State in the regular season. Like, they're 6-1 and one right now, and they're going to finish with Wisconsin, Northwestern, Minnesota, Illinois, Nebraska. Like, they could go 11-1, and one, and I still don't even know how good of a team they are. Like, this Big Ten, it's... The Big Ten West kind of... The team that comes out of there seems to always be the team that, that avoided the good teams from the Big Ten East, right? So, just looking at all these top ten teams, like, you know credit to Michigan State like no one was expecting them to get here like they're having a great season 
but I still have no idea what to make of Michigan, of Michigan State. Like, they all are going to play each other. They're all going to play Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State, Michigan. They're all going to end up playing each other. But I still don't know how good any of these teams are. Like, I mean, like, what are your thoughts? <sighs> this is complicated, Matt. Hit, hit me with it. No, you make the case. I'm not sure I 100% follow you. Like, I'm I'm not 100%. Like, Ohio State is the team I think is the best. But if you look at their schedule, they've played one ranked team this year, mm-hmm. Oregon, at home, and they right. lost. And that team, that defense got abused. Right. Since, like, how many people... They changed people coordinators, though, after that. They did. But how many... Like, you've heard this narrative, right? This Ohio State team is a much different team than the one that played Oregon. Like, how many yeah. times have you heard someone say that? We'll continue hearing it. Too? Just like the team that played, like the team that Clem- Georgia played against Clemson is not the same, same Clemson, that kind of thing. I uh, see. I don't know. I think people have kind of thrown that out. Like, okay, maybe Clemson just wasn't a good team. Like, that's I don't fair. Think well, I think injuries giving. decimated them. So they well, were healthy in that too. game. They're, they're not that in that, in that sense, that's definitely true. But I feel like I've heard this a lot from Ohio state that now the way they're playing now they're the best they're easily the best team in the big 10 and if they played Oregon today they would smash them because they just look so much better and i probably would believe that and i but the I point is you can't bias, do that you can't you can't do that we can't play that game because ultimately that's when you played them you played them at the beginning of the season and you lost like that's just how it works well, like that course. the game whatever happens on the field has to be paramount like that has to be priority number one or there's no point in playing these games oh without a doubt but also like and so that's what I've heard. Like since that Oregon game, this Ohio team, Ohio State team, has got it together. And now they're dominating. You know who they've played since that Oregon game? They've played Tulsa, and they were up twenty-seven twenty on Tulsa, like in the fourth quarter. I think they ended up pulling away. But don't like, sleep on the Golden Hurricanes. Game. That was a close. Zayvon Collins first rounder last year. Yeah, and there you go. And then <laughs> they played Akron. They played Rutgers. They played mm. Maryland. Indiana. Like. None of these teams are good. Maryland is the only team they've beaten with a winning record since that Oregon loss. Uh, since that Oregon loss, Minnesota also has a winning record, but I they just, certainly I, haven't played Tennessee slate where they've played three Heisman quarterbacks in one season. Yeah, right. I just I wonder. We're making. I think we're just kind of. It's our bias coming in because it's Ohio State. You know, they are what they are. They're a dominant team, but like they haven't proven none of these teams in the big 10 have really proven anything on how good they are luckily if they're going to all play each other and it's going to be an awesome next month of just three four weeks in a row of all these teams playing each other but right now i'm just like not sure if any of these teams are actually good like we saw michigan state beat a ranked miami team well now we know miami's terrible we saw michigan beat uh washington we actually knew before that game started that Washington wasn't as good as we thought, and they're even worse than we thought then. So it's it's just really interesting how the how the whole s- season has uh, has gone so far for the Big Ten. It it definitely looks good to have four top ten teams right now, but um, I'm really curious to see how it's going to shake out because I think I think by the end of it it'll probably be Ohio State, but uh, it's it's going to be fun once they finally all play each other. Yeah, I um like I I think the there's a fair case to saying that Ohio State's the second best team in the country right now with the way they're playing like if I had to do a power rankings like they're probably my number two um you could tell me on Alabama but yeah what makes you say they're better than Alabama I believe in 
Ohio State's offense more. Like, I think Ohio State's figured it out on offense. Henderson's figured it out. CJ Stroud's figured it out. I think they have the best wide receiver group in the country. Um, I watched Alabama this past weekend. Tennessee had them on the ropes for three quarters. And part of that is, like, Alabama does dumb stuff. Like, they had some really dumb penalties. They got the pump block. They Bryce Young would sail some balls. Like, he he's really good outside the pocket, and that's where he killed Tennessee. But, like, there's something clunky about him. Like, there's just... Bill O'Brien is... He's not great. And having watched a lot of Houston Texans games, like... He's not Steve Sarkeesian. He's not Lane Kiffin. Um, there's just something off. Their defensive line's not good. Um, they, I, Henry Toto is doing a lot for them, but the defense isn't as elite as it's been in years past. Like Tennessee was able to confuse them and hit uh, explosive plays on them and everything else, but they had them on the ropes. Tennessee had a little bit more depth, I think. There's a very real shot they win that game, but um, I, think I don't know. They've definitely shown some weaknesses. I just but don't I believe in that offense think... 100%. They still haven't figured out their their motor. Like, their offense is not clicking on all cylinders. Like, they just... Ohio State knows who they are on offense now. And if you watch play after play and you just go through, I know they're not playing a bunch, but, like, they know exactly how they're going to score 70 on you. Alabama struggles to score a lot. I mean, they did just hang 50 on Tennessee. No, but like, it's not true because Tennessee gave up. They uh, went for it on their I own mean, 30. It's true, though. That was the final score. It was no, that's not game. real. That's not real. You had to watch the game. They, that's not, not a real thing. <laughs> the, I, score was not, the game was closer than the score indicated. But I'm mm-hmm. just saying, at the end of the day, I think Alabama becomes kind of a victim of their own success, that they're constantly being compared to past Alabama teams. And while... This yeah, if you watch the, like watch their offense last year and watch it this year, Matt. Like watch the the two. It's a completely different situation. What I'm saying is last year's offense was unstoppable and they had dudes everywhere. This year it's just not it's just not the same. I think Bryce Young's an awesome Heisman caliber quarterback, but like there's just something about watching them that's just they don't have it's definitely the out wide talent. Like Mechie's good, especially over the middle and like he does quick stuff, yards after catch, like good reverse type stuff but like slain bolden's a big part of this and like their tight ends had a lot of bad draw I, I don't know there's just something something off I, I can't put my finger on it i'm just telling you that there's just it's not the same alabama team as last year they're not as dominant no and it definitely isn't but the, i think the worst alabama team if they're the worst alabama team of the last 10 years that team it's still like the still third or fourth yeah. win the national championship you know True. It's like alabama's just that good so i would be really annoyed at this version won the national title i'd be very annoyed by that well it's funny too because like the current rankings like we just talked about how this is just oh this is a crazy season Mm. like it's just been madness like the top five it's it's like four of the four of the preseason dude if you go back folks i encourage you to go back and listen to this because this is what i said it's like you can expand the playoff you can do whatever like we're still gonna get the same four to five teams like you can expand the playoff all you want like ohio state oklahoma alabama and georgia and clemson barring just this crazy collapse in lsu most years like that's just who's gonna be in this like that's just how this works unless one of these schools get the death penalty sometime soon like it's just not it's not changing well, without a doubt but but the satisfaction comes in to where like you had a shot like mm. at least we got to go and prove that one of these teams is better than us instead of just watching them all play different teams and then voting on it it's just it will it will be way more satisfying if we just take the power away from the committee on who the best four teams are and if they just give us eight or twelve and then just let it decide on the field. So I, I, I do understand 
it gets more teams involved and you're just satisfied. Like if you go undefeated and then are left out, like you're just, you're not convinced that anyone's better than you. Like you can't convince anyone from 2017 UCF that they weren't the best team in the country. You know, they never lost. So we're going to like Ohio State and Oklahoma and Alabama have been the class of college football for the last decade plus. You're if you have a, a larger playoff, you're still going to see those teams in the Final Four and in the championships. But it's just it's more satisfying to know that at least your small school had a shot. Mm. That is fair. That is fair. Well, let's let's move on. Are you ready to do our pick'em this week, sir? Yes, sir. Let's uh let's get it started. And well, let's recap do, uh, the listeners where we're I, at heading. I into will this week. recap the listeners. I'm uh I'm still holding a. A, a slight lead on you, but mm. you've, you're making some ground up. So, so far on the season, I am 56 and 33 overall to your 49 and 40. But then against the spread, I am just 45, 42 and two, and you are 43, 44 and two. So, seven game, seven game lead uh, overall, and just a just a three game lead. No. Yes two game lead in the uh, against the spread so we're right there wire to wire i like it i like it where are we going first all right to start things off we got our college game day game of the week we're going to east lansing michigan mm. and michigan state Whew, man I, I kept going back and forth on this one like like we, we talked about a minute ago, like it's so hard to know exactly what these teams are. They both played Northwestern, Nebraska, and Rutgers. I think Michigan played those teams a little bit closer than Michigan State uh, did. But um, Can we call Michigan Washington did... Rutgers a Jace? What's that? Can we call Washington Rutgers a Jace where you're just like, oh, this is... We know we think Jimmy Lake's a good coach. We think Greg Schiano's a good coach in 2021, but um, the defense is pretty solid. They fight hard for him, but... That offense, woof, woof. Yeah, exactly. Like I don't. That was a primetime game earlier this season. It really was. Eight o'clock, ABC. Like that should have been. Ugh. That that was, Ugh. A, that was a tough one to watch. But um, Michigan's been dominant running the ball, but their passing game has basically been non-existent. Michigan mm-hmm. State is way more balanced offensively. Michigan State also leads the Big Ten in sacks. But that doesn't do you a whole lot of good if Michigan's running all over you and isn't passing the ball. So I, I feel like that's going to be the, the game right there, is if Michigan State is able to slow down Michigan's run at all and force passing situations, I think that's how Michigan State is going to win this game. Fair enough. Um, so are you going Michigan State to win? I'm going Michigan State to win and cover. I... Uh, like I said, I went back and forth with this one, but I feel like Michigan State's balance, I think, makes them more dangerous. And uh, at home, I think that's going to account for something. Like you, I've gone back and forth. Um, I don't trust either quarterback in this one. I <sighs> Kenneth Walker's a dude, uh, but Michigan has a two-headed monster running back. Um, moving on from Don Brown has been a huge difference maker for uh, the Michigan Wolverines. I... They're number two. Do you know they're only one team in the in the country has allowed more points or less points, excuse me, than the Michigan Wolverines defense? Who is it, Macarine? 
I would think that's uh, the Georgia Bulldogs. The Georgia Bulldogs have given up five touchdowns in seven games. Just preposterous. Um, Michigan, though, 12 touchdowns in five in seven games, but they've only allowed 100 points. They're allowing 14.3 points per game. Um, Georgia, a preposterous 6.6. Um, I think Michigan's more complete. I think... If Harbaugh is going to jump to this next level, like the Big Ten's now weird. Iowa goes down. Wisconsin's just down this year. Penn State lost their quarterback. James Franklin's giving weird answers about his future, changing agents. Like, everything is set up for Michigan to actually take care of it. And it's also, like, kind of refreshing because no one believes in them. It's not like the usual hype fest that we came to know. It's like, oh, this is the year Harbaugh breaks through. He's going to beat Ohio State. He's an underdog here. People are like... Yeah, he's not going to do it. Do you know what happened when they were just like, yeah, they should beat the crap out of Michigan State. And they had the pun over the head and lost uh, lost to Michigan State in an embarrassing fashion in Arbor a couple oh, years ago. Man. That was one of the Damn craziest way to lose that we still don't talk about. I watch that all the time. It's one of the most preposterous plays I've ever seen. That really was. That was that was an all-timer for sure. I think that season, was that 2016? I feel like that year in general, we just got so many crazy endings, um, if I remember right. But... Yeah, Michigan's. I I, I, just, I don't. I'm still hesitant to to go all in on Michigan. Like, and especially since this one's on the road, I think that's what's. This feels like a pick to me, and I feel like the the road, or the the fact that Michigan State's on the at home, that's what kind of tipped the scales for me. But what I don't think you did you make an actual pick yet? No. So Michigan is better on defense. They are 15th in scoring offense. They're better than Michigan State all across the board. I think we're overthinking this one. People have bought in way too much. Um, people have bought in way too much. Give me the Wolverines to win outright. I think they're going to win all here. All right. Wolverines, put it on the board. Making up some ground right away. I like it. <laughs> and then we uh, we get our, our ESPN noon game. Mm-hmm. We got Iowa at Wisconsin. And you talk about a game that I have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> like I was sh- so sure on who Iowa was mm-hmm. a couple years, uh, a couple weeks ago. And Wait, I'm why so- are we not sure anymore? It's just de- all of that happened. They just got, uh, not run down more. They just got David Belt. It, it happens once a year. That's, that's it. That's, that's fair. That could be all it is, but I don't know. Like Wisconsin, I was also convinced that they couldn't score any points. I think you just saw how different Iowa is when they can't win the turnover battle. So if their team, they're, Offense seems oh, to be hold on. So... Hold on, Matt Green. Then I got a team for you if you can't win the turnover battle. The Badgers are minus seven in turnover <laughs> yes. margin this season, which is good for 122nd in the nation. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. I have the, the Badgers winning, or the, excuse me, the, the Hawkeyes winning and covering. Like, this is my lock of the week. Mm, lock it in. Over under on this one is 36 and a half. Oh, my God. Like, this game is legit going to be 10 to, 10 to 6. But right now, I What was the over-under for Tennessee Ole Miss? Like, 81? I think it was, yeah. Iowa right now... Like, we all talk about how bad Wisconsin's offense is. It is bad. They're averaging 5.2 yards a play and mm-hmm. giving up 3.9 yards per play. Iowa is averaging 4.6 yards per oh, play. Oh, goodness. And giving up 4.3 yards per play. <laughs> so, Wisconsin's offense has actually been slightly better than Iowa, and their mm-hmm. defense has actually been slightly better, too. They're... The only team that's allowed less rushing yards than the Georgia Bulldogs in college football is the Wisconsin Badgers. And that's that's what worries me the most about Iowa is they just don't have an identity. Like No, they have team, an identity. 
What? I see. I feel like a team that plays this style has to run, has to pound the rock. Iowa just isn't that good at running the ball. No. Like, they're averaging 3.1 yards a carry. Like, that's that's not good if you're going to be a team that's limited passing and you're going to play defense, time, uh, you know, ball control, that kind of time of possession type game. Like, you have to be able to pound the rock and, you know, eat the clock. And I just don't think that's who Iowa is. Like, that's who Iowa wants to be. Mm-hmm. But they don't have the horses. They don't have the running back. Goodson's not that guy. He's not. He's solid, but they just – they don't have a guy they can just feed. So you're right. <laughs> if you need to get some turnovers, Wisconsin is the team that could potentially turn it over. Graham Mertz is what, like three touchdowns, seven picks or something on the year? He's been atrocious. Not not good, but at home, this is, this is weird too. This is the second week in a row. We had two last week, and we have a top ten team uh, underdog – to an unranked team and i think vegas knows something and i'm gonna go wisconsin oh my goodness i'm just cleaning up this week i'm gonna be in first after this week folks (laughs) this man went michigan state and wisconsin out of the gate the big 10 man we Mm. we know so little about the big 10 right now it is just speak for yourself sir as a big 10 aficionado (laughs) (laughs) not all of us spend our weekends with mississippi state vanderbilt like a certain matt green uh that you bite your tongue. That's the one game. <laughs> that's the one game I don't sit through. Uh, most of those SEC games I'm watching, Vanderbilt, they're they're excluded from that. Mm. Uh, um, all right, keeping it moving. Our 12 o'clock ABC game. We got Texas going on the road at Baylor. Baylor is a two and a half point uh, favorite at home. I uh, I like Baylor in this one. They're the only team in the Big 12 with more interceptions than touchdowns allowed. So wait, say that stat one more time. They're the only team. This is a defensive stat. The uh-huh. only uh, defense in the Big Twelve that has more interceptions than touchdowns. Oh, interesting. Yeah, eight eight interceptions on the year, and they've only allowed six touchdowns. That's a Dave Aranda team right there. There you go. Texas is. They're coming off a bye week. The back to back losses to Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Like those are potentially the two best teams in the Big Twelve. Like I don't want to overreact to think like Texas just isn't it because they're at four and three already. But they're allowing 30 points per game also. Baylor, they're the top rushing offense in the Big 12. They, they just seem like they have a balanced attack. And as far as just, you know, just offense and defense, Baylor feels like the most just complete team right now. Obviously, Oklahoma, like, they, they feel like the best. But Baylor offensively and defensively has been really solid. I think they're just better than Texas. So I like Baylor. This is... This is one of the games I'm more confident on this week. I don't know. I'm, I'm not ready to say lock of the week like you, but uh, I'm, I'm confident in the Bears this week. Interesting. I mean, this would put Texas in a weird spot down the stretch here because who do they have left on their schedule? Let me pull their schedule up real quick. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, they got – oh, yeah. See, that's what I thought. Okay. So they've still got to go to Iowa State the following week. They get Kansas at home. And we know that's not always a cakewalk. Who could forget the Kansas game winner a couple years ago? Um, they still got a feisty yeah. K-State team. Why are they closing the year with K-State? What a weird, weird season for them. Um, but they also go to Morgantown. And we know the Mountaineers are a completely different team in Morgantown they are at home. I see, like, if they win this one, I still see at least one other loss in this on the schedule. They've lost two straight. Do we really believe 
they're going to lose three straight here. Do we think that this would be loss number four at this point in the season? Um, if they lose here, they're falling below 500 next week, I think. I, I don't like them against Iowa State. I think I'm a bigger believer in Iowa State at this point than I am Baylor still. Baylor is still a little bit too too soon for me. Um, I like the Longhorns here to bounce back. I think this is a big game for them that they get up for. I think Sark schemes up this Longhorns team to to bounce back here. I think we get both quarterbacks, but um, a lot of B. John Robinson. I think you're going to see him light it up. It, having watched a lot of Texas, um, they rely so much on Bijan, and we'll see. Like you said, they uh, they're good at getting picks, and Casey Thompson loves turning the ball over. And I don't know. We shall see. Baylor's averaging 239 yards in the ground with a mobile first quarterback. Texas, you can get gashed like Warren just gashed them. Uh, the Cowboys running back a week ago, but um, yeah, I, I like everything. Set, the numbers say Baylor. But I just can't see four and four Texas at this point, and then four and five next week. So give me the horns to win and uh, win outright. All right, lock it in. Uh, moving on. You have we disagreed on all three so far? We have. Hmm. You mentioned Morgantown. That's where we're going next. Uh, two o'clock. Uh, Iowa State comes to town, and I know, I know, you just said it, and. I hate picking against West Virginia and Morgantown. They're not they're not undefeated this year. That's the one thing that kind of threw me off. It's like if they're still if they're still running that uh that perfect home record, I think I would have let it roll. Mm-hmm. But um I think Iowa State's just a better team. This West Virginia team just they're not instilling much confidence in me right now. I think they cover the spread. West Virginia is a seven point home dog. I like West Virginia to cover the spread, but Give me, uh, give me Iowa State to win. Mm. We agree here. The the streak ends. Um, quietly, Iowa State's gotten their act together. Matt Campbell's gotten their act together. And they're going to be pissed off about uh, that touchdown they got called back um, in that game last weekend. You saw that. We talked about that on the pod Sunday night, didn't we? Oh, yeah. Just terrible. Horrendous. The radio call for Iowa State was phenomenal, though. Um, Brock Purdy has completed 78% of his passes the past four games. He's thrown 77 passes since his last interception. He's completed over 80% of his passes four times this year, the most in the nation. That comes from the Des Moines Register. Um, pretty bonker stuff. And when you watch the games, like Purdy has figured a lot of stuff out. Like the meltdown he had weeks ago um, against Iowa, that was that was a long time ago. This is a different uh, Iowa State team. And Bryce, uh, Brees Hall is about to set the record for most consecutive games with a touchdown run. He's closed in on that. Um, I, I'm not sure if it's the Big 12 or CFB, uh, FBS 1 history. It's one of the two. Oh, um, I saw that. I think, I want to say it was, yeah, that was that was NCAA because I think Monty Ball was on that Okay, because I think it's 19 week. straight or something like that. Ooh, something you, you don't know who had the record, do you? I don't. Monty Ball would make sense though. Monty Ball, I think, was like fourth or something. They showed, mm-hmm. like, I remember them showing like four guys on the screen. Hmm. I'd be curious to see who that is, but I, I guess that means it was national. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so I, I like them here. West Virginia is kind of, they're going the wrong way. Neil Brown, this, this program's kind of taking a step back this year. It's a little surprising. They had high hopes, but yeah, That's no, give me, feels like. give me the clones. So uh, wait, are you say, are you taking Iowa State to win and cover? I am. Okay, so that's where we differ. I uh, I do have West Virginia keeping it close. Okay. All right, and uh, keeping it moving to our 3.30 CBS game, 
Mm. World's largest outdoor cocktail party. I don't want to watch this. <laughs> oh, I'll be I'll be tuned in. You better believe that. I mean, what else are you going to be watching at 3.30? Yeah, Where's that's kind of the weak spot. But it's uh, usually I feel like Georgia-Florida is kind of like the clear game of the week. I don't know what happens in the SEC. It seems like a lot of teams get bye weeks. I don't know. For whatever reason, it seems like in recent years, there's like not that many other interesting games the week of Georgia-Florida. But because um, I know Alabama and LSU always have a, a bye week this week, but um, this year that's not the case. We have an awesome slate, but um, and Georgia Florida is not as interesting as most years. So it's funny how it works out that way. Georgia's a fourteen and a half point favorite in this one. I think it's I think I heard that's the second biggest uh, point spread Georgia's been favored in this game ever. And uh, you're going to see two quarterbacks probably for both teams. I would I would bet in this game. I think this has got to be Anthony, the Anthony Richardson game for Florida. Like, we all know Emory Jones is just not that guy. Um, but I just don't really see how they move the ball on, on this Georgia defense. But um, mm. we all know we all know about Georgia's defense. You know, like, you know, just bonkers numbers they're putting up. First in the country in points per game. First in the country in passing. Are they second in the country in passing yards per game? Second in the country in rushing yards per game. But we're not talking enough about this offense. Like, Georgia's first in the SEC in, in passing efficiency. They're first in the SEC in yards per attempt. They're fifth in the conference in passing touchdowns. The top four teams that have more touchdowns in the SEC have an average of 297 pass attempts, right? The top four teams, you, you're picking up what I'm putting down right now? Mm-hmm. Those top four teams have averaged 297 pass attempts. Georgia has 167 pass attempts on the year. They're they're just dominating teams in the first two quarters, and I think it's it's causing people to not really understand the type of team Georgia is. Like they're they're outscoring opponents 119 to 16 in the first half of the first seven games so far. So they're a balanced attack. They're 50-50 pass and run, if if not more pass when the, when the game is actually in the balance and then they mm. just start dominating teams and once i mean once they score 21 24 points you got to think that this coaching staff is like well this is this game is basically wrapped up because no one can score this much on this defense so you're seeing a much heavy run game in the second half just to milk the clock and that's and that's what they've been a lot better at doing is running the ball to put games away they're doing they're way better at doing that than they were in 2019 or 2020 and I think that's what people are sleeping on. They, everyone knows about the defense, but I don't think people realize how good and how efficient this offense has actually been. Who would you guess is the leading rusher coming into this game across both teams? Oh, man, is it is it Emory Jones? It is Emory Jones. Oh, wow. 435 yards on the ground. That's the thing. Is like Georgia just, they still love to run the ball. They have a bunch of different people they throw in there. Um, Kendall Milton, just the guy I thought was going to break out for them this year based on what we saw last year. He's taken a huge step back um, just with opportunities, not in his play, just in the carries yeah. and what he he's it's just a lot of Zeus a lot he's of Zeus now too so he's not he's the one running back who's not going to be available in this one mm. um, it's kind of weird because like Bama does the same thing where like uh, Zeus is the guy that they've they run a bunch of Georgia but like and him just being the physical freak and that's kind of what uh, 
Bama's been doing with Brian Robinson, uh, the local Tuscaloosa guy who is just a pain in the in the butt to to tackle and bring down. And he's the least exciting out of that Alabama running back room, but he gets the job done. Um, Kirby and Nick Saban were like, yeah, we're just going to put the least aesthetically pleasing running back out there uh, every single down. But I I will say James mm-hmm. Cook is, has led them in rushing a couple times too. I was he's fine. surprised at his ability in between the tackles. He's fine. He's fine. Um, but this is like there, like that's a great spot to be in to that, that many different options. Um, so I have this quote for you from Mullen. Are you ready? Yeah. Quote, we're really fortunate. Mullen said, we have two really good quarterbacks here. We've played them both in every game. They've been healthy. I see us continuing down that path. Do you think he actually believes that? I don't know what Dan Mullen believes, <laughs> to be honest. Like he's just, he's just one of those guys like this this feels like you hate dan mullen <laughs> i'm not a dan you might mullen hate him fan. more than friend of the pod uh graham coffee it's not that i hate dan mullen it's just when he got to florida he completely changed who he was like it's like he got to florida and he's like oh wait i need to talk shit like spurrier and Urban <laughs> meyer did and it's just like that's not who you are man it seemed like like this is what I've I've had we've had a lot of conversations amongst Georgia fans about Dan Mullen obviously, like where Dan Mullen went wrong was his second year, after the Justin Fields transfer of Georgia and then the spring game trolling Georgia with the the attendance number that was like however many days it had been since Georgia won a national championship, but then when Justin Fields transferred and saying oh if you know if I brought a guy in. And he transferred right away. I would think I did something wrong as a head coach, you know. And then, and then you saw like three or four Florida players transfer, including some in that class that had never even played it down. It like it just put this bullseye on Florida. Like it was almost like it, it told the nation, like, oh, you're talking shit. I guess you're ready to you're ready to compete with Georgia then, right? You're ready to compete for championships. Whereas it should have been a much more slow played approach. Like, yeah, we're building we're building something here. Like, just stick with us. Like. Every year we're getting closer and closer, and then year four, or year five, maybe start talking some shit. But he started talking shit year two. That makes everyone else think, okay, you guys are ready for prime time, and they just weren't. And I, so I feel like it just threw off the entire progression of what how you're supposed to build a program. And I just Dan Mullen's a great offensive coach. Don't get me wrong, but he just seems like one of these guys. Like I'm getting just such 2017 Butch Jones vibes from him. Like. As soon as the negativity started in Knoxville with around Butch Jones, it was like you could just see how rattled it made him. Like I remember that one press conference where he's talking like, you know, what are we doing here with our media? We, you guys just going to criticize like everything I do? Like everything's all negative with you people, you know? And it's like, well, you know, things are going well. This is kind of our job to report on what's happening. That's what feels like what's happening with with uh, Dan Mullen in, at Florida. Like I don't think he's going to get fired this year. But like same with Butch Jones. Like Butch Jones, it kind of he brought Tennessee back. He made them relevant again. The one bad season wouldn't have been enough to just fire him. But it was the other. It was the extra stuff. It was it was the stuff that just he just looked so rattled, and the team gave up on him. Like that kind of stuff. That's what I almost worry about with Florida. Like if they get down fourteen zero in this game, like does the team just give up like do mm-hmm. they give up on dan mullen in general like he's a great offensive play caller but there's so much more to being a head coach than just calling plays like last week you saw lsu like florida has the 
the fourth fourth or fifth ranked rushing offense in the country. I think they're first in the country in yards per carry. Like they completely abandoned the run against LSU. They just came out and throw, throw, throw. Like both picture, both quarterbacks threw two interceptions in that game. He they just completely got away from what they do so well. And they were having some success on the ground too. That's what I don't understand. Like we, against Georgia, I just don't see them having success on the ground. I think these teams that are you know limited limited passers like we've seen with Will Levis, with KJ Jefferson, like solid, solid, decent passers, but definitely run first quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I just, I feel like this game is going to go similar to the Kentucky and the Arkansas game. I think they're, they're definitely built similar to those, to both of those teams. So I feel like I, I see Georgia with like a 37, 37, 13 kind of game, 37, 17, maybe. Like I just maybe they'll put it, put together a couple drives because Dan Mullen is such a good play caller, but they're just not going to be able to consistently move the ball. That's why I think George is going to win fairly easily. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I will say, uh, speaking of Graham Coffee, who does great work covering the dogs, um, you follow him at Dogs Out West. But he Excellent. had this stat. Did you see this earlier today? Uh, maybe I Anthony Richardson when pressured in twenty twenty one. Three for 11, three picks. Yeah, without a doubt. And George is going to be – George's got the best pass rush in the SEC, I think. So if you, I feel if like the way to beat Georgia, and like there's not many ways to beat them. I think the only – like it's it, it, it's Ohio State. Like if there's any team, it's just with the wideouts that they have that they can attack this Georgia secondary. And if their offensive lineman can give them a little bit of time because – Trevion Henderson's not going in between the tackles, and they're not doing that. So I think C.J. Stroud would be able to move outside the pocket when things collapse and find the elite receivers. Like, they're the only team, I think. Because people are talking about um, what Tennessee's going to do and uh, if they're going to give Georgia a game with this offense. And it's like, I just... Tennessee doesn't have the bodies up in the offensive line to to block Carter and Ed and Davis and friends. Like, I just... I don't see it. Like, I don't know if Hooker's going to have enough time to get his get through his reads and to be able to find anyone downfield now will i be curious to see if uh this defensive line for georgia can keep up with the tempo because they really haven't dealt with that yet because they're big boys but we'll see we'll see they'll get rotated out which will be nice but to that point like like you said like i I agree with i think you have to be able to challenge them in the passing game in Mm -hmm. order for to in order for them to just not be able to stop your run with you have to scare them over the top and no yeah, one scared exactly. them over the top. And so to that point, I honestly do think Tennessee matches up better with Georgia and with that being in Knoxville. Like, I think if the offensive Tennessee, line was better, I would feel better about it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Tennessee is going to come anywhere close to actually beating Georgia. But I think I think the Georgia-Tennessee game will be closer than this Georgia-Florida game on Saturday. Here's what I'll say. I think Georgia-Florida score-wise is closer, but Florida's never – it never feels like they're in it. But I think Georgia beats – tennessee by more points but tennessee does more stuff to kind of expose georgia in some ways where it's like oh this is something that they need to get cleaned up again before they play somebody like ohio state because when they play with someone with more bodies that this is a problem to make sense yeah i could actually see tennessee hitting some a couple big plays in the passing game like i just don't see florida doing that i don't either i do not either um so we are in agreement georgia winning and covering uh this game is i think the game of the weekend for me Matt Green. Yeah, this is a good one. And I've gone back and forth on this one. Um, honestly, I was mad when I saw the spread come out because I was uh, I was thinking, I, I thought I was cheeky. You know, I thought, you know, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna get you with an upset this week. Mm. But little did I know, Auburn comes in as the favorite uh, with Ole Miss. They're a two and a half point favorite at home. Oh, we're gonna disagree again. I like this. Oh, okay. So you're thinking Ole Miss? It sounds like I am thinking Ole Miss. Ole Miss is allowing 28 points per game right now. Hold on. About that, though. About that, though, Matt Green. They are 11th, like you said. Did you watch the LSU game? I did. After they got up to that 7-0 lead, 81 yards and 18 plays in the second and third quarters. 77 rushing yards for LSU. And we know what Tyrion Davis-Price was doing before that. Almost 300 well, yards really against Florida. The one game, it really just had the one game versus. Florida, hey, though. and then Ole Miss, they locked it up. They locked LSU not, up. I'm just not sold on Ole Miss yet. Like you saw the, we saw that. I'm not either, track. but I'm more sold on them than Auburn. I, I've seen more out of Ole Miss than Auburn. You think you think Tennessee's better than Auburn? I'm not 100 percent sure. I would I would give that to Auburn right now. I think, I think Tennessee's Auburn. better than Kentucky, and Kentucky being right, like I think people are going to be stunned to see what Tennessee does to Kentucky next week. Um, that could be true, but I think Auburn's better than than Tennessee right now. I would say obviously, so. Yeah. Obviously, you know the whole what, what is it? The transitive property. I, I'm, mm. A is better than B. B is better than C. That whole thing. Right. That doesn't. We're journalism majors. Is it transitive? What? I don't know. Is that right? I, I think transitive property, if, uh, wow, we're going to get... It's one of those math properties. It's not this that I'm... I'm not in graduate school for, for this type of thing. <laughs> but I think old Auburn is better than, than Tennessee. And we saw what... How many... How much problems Tennessee gave Ole Miss a couple weeks ago. Like, that was a winnable game in Knoxville. And this is going to be the same rowdy environment, 7 o'clock game, prime time. Like, we know how loud that Auburn stadium can get. And I think Auburn's figured some things out. Like, they've got a couple wins on the road now this year. They have the the third-ranked run defense in the SEC this year. I think that's important because Ole Miss has pounded teams on the ground. And I think Arkansas is and, – and from a yards per carry, uh, Auburn is the third third-ranked. So, I just – I don't think they're going to stop Auburn. I think this is going to be – a game that's played in the 30s, maybe even into the 40s, and I like Auburn to uh, to win and and cover the two and a half. Oh, I like it. We differ. I think Ole Miss is going to win. I think they're going to win and uh, win a little bit comfortably. Mm, okay. Matt Corral's legit, man. Having watched it, like I'm still not convinced in the blo- the the Bo Nix experience. I don't think they're going to be able to score enough. I really don't. I think Ole Miss is going to put some points on him, and I don't think Auburn's going to be able to. See, I think Ole Miss's defense is what worries me, though. I think Mm. when you go on the road, I just don't think offense travels like defense does. Like, you can still score points when you go on the road, but if you have that D, that's just (laughs) – that's the the, – what you can count on, right? I think going on the road at Auburn, I think that's a hostile environment. I don't know if they're ready for it. Mm. We'll see. We'll see. Um, and yeah, like you said, Kentucky, Mississippi State. This is our seven o'clock SEC network game. The real sickos are going to turn into this one, right? I if, if it weren't for the Braves, don't you I would, dare! I would I would be watching some of this game, but Ole Miss like, Auburn's on at the same time. Why? That's what I'm saying. Penn State, Ohio State's on at this time. 
That's what I'm saying. I'll 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 get pay, paying some attention. SMU in Houston's on at this time. What are you I doing? Will, I will watch zero seconds of SMU Houston. Oh my goodness, I'm Tori, if you're listening Ole to this, Miss- take his controller. Don't allow this this monstrosity <laughs> to happen. Take control. Ole, Ole Miss, Auburn, and Penn State, Ohio State are the ones I'm going to keep up with. But I'm uh-huh. saying, if there was no baseball, no World Series to keep track of, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd get Kentucky, Mississippi State in that rotation. See, the, but, do you see what I'm saying though? It's interrupting our weekend. Like this World Series interrupting <laughs> college football Saturday. It's interrupting. I'm loving it. it though. You're complaining I'm, I am. I'm all for it I feel Don't like Larry David right now um this is interesting game though right mm-hmm. this feels like it has the makings of a, of a Wake Forest army type show right? see like, I think it's going the other way this is interesting I have the opposite I think this is going to be ugly as hell and it's going to be like 1713 misstate no, I don't really think it's going to be 70 to 56 or whatever mm-hmm. the game ended up being but I can see Mississippi State with some of those quick strikes mm-hmm Kentucky just, you know, bleeding the clock for eight, nine-minute drives. The one thing that that makes me hesitate about picking Mississippi State. So they scored two points last year? Oh, that's true. That's true, too. But they're 11th in the SEC in pass efficiency and Hmm. 12th in the SEC in yards per attempt. Like, this is a team that has no running game whatsoever. They're all pass, and they're not quite as dangerous as you might think win passing so i did say the wake forest army type thing just because the different styles but i think you're right i think this is going to turn into a a sloppy kind of ugly game the can and this is the the locked sec east west matchup kentucky so they play every year kentucky last time they won in starkville was 2008 so they've lost five straight at mississippi state I I went I've gone back and forth with this one so many times because I do think Kentucky's a solid team, but I, I just I still don't trust them. And even though I don't trust Mississippi State, I think uh, I think I'm going with the cowbells and that road atmosphere to to ultimately make the difference. So give me give Mississippi State to to win outright. Mm. Mississippi State to win outright. Um, I'm going Kentucky to win and cover. All right, put it on the board. I wouldn't mind, you know. There's a lot of this SEC East, SEC West, you know. Are talk. you now an SEC East diehard? Is that how granular you've gotten in your SEC no, fandom? I'm just saying, like, I, I do take some pride in the SEC East. You SEC know? East. It doesn't have the same ring to it. It doesn't. It doesn't have the same, <laughs> it doesn't have the same ring. But I'm not chanting it after games <laughs> or anything. But um, to be honest, Matt Green's going to be at, like, the Outback Bowl with Kentucky, Penn State, just – cheering his cheering his his uh his throat off for uh for for the wildcats to to pull it out for the the sec east you love to see it you know it they they need to get that win over indiana wherever they're playing in the, in the tennessee did that a couple years ago yeah i do remember that um so you're going uk i'm going mississippi state I'm, i don't feel good about the mississippi state but you shouldn't like, have I scored just, two points last year against i don't them. feel good about either of these teams but, you're just like um, giving me points to get back this week i like it yeah, there's a bunch of a uh, bunch of disagreements. We can all agree that we love the Bulldogs, though. We the we Georgia cannot. Bulldogs, that is. No, we, but um, we're not gonna keeping know. it moving. Our primetime game. I assume this is the one. Oh wait, I'm skipping one. Seven o'clock. ESPN You're skipping school. the uh, battle of the two undefeated <laughs> Texas <laughs> schools. Exactly. Who could forget the uh, the matchup of the year in the AAC? SMU going on the road at the Cougs of Houston. Houston is a one-point favorite at home. 
I like the Cougs to get it done. What say you? Would you like to guess what Dana Holgerson's record to this point at Houston is? Ooh, uh, probably about 500, right? You're very, very close. Would you say over or under? I get, How many games is it? 27. I give him like a 14 and 13. Very close. Very close. Ah, what is it? 13 and 14. He gets this dub. He's back to 500, baby. He's keeping that head above water. Sonny Dykes having to deal with the questions about whether or not he's going to take that Texas Tech job. You know, um, I, I I don't know. I think this is uh, – I'm a big Clayton guy. Are, are you a big Clayton guy, quarterback for, for the Houston Cougars? Um, not that big. Also, bad news. Houston lost the game. They're 6-1. They're undefeated in, in the conference. Oh, okay. That was my mistake. My mistake. Um, well, yeah, maybe Holgerson could take a, a page out of the the Braves playbook. You know, once they got to 500, then it was to the ceiling. Sky's the limit after that. So they might they might just run the table, win the whole conference. Speaking of that conference, you know how weird that conference is right now? So Houston's number one in the AAC, 4-0 in the, in the AAC. Behind them is Cincinnati, 3-0, um, and they're 7-0 in the season. SMU is 7-0. The next best team in this conference is two, three and four Tulsa. Everyone's five hundred, and then you have the awful Navy and Tulane and South Florida. This conference is awful, like awful, outside of the top group. And I wonder how much that. But if really this is the SEC, you know, you'd be talking about oh, the, you know, just just battles going on, just a lot of evenly matched teams, mm-hmm. right? Memphis at four and four. UCF at four and three, like I feel like those aren't terrible teams, right? They're, I think they're terrible, and you just don't know they're terrible yet. <laughs> Maybe, um, but no. So they lost the opener to Texas Tech, twenty-one thirty-eight. They've won every game since. They have scored at least thirty points uh, since. But there are a lot of them. They they went to overtime with East Carolina, and East Carolina. I don't know if you saw the worst QB sneak of all time in their loss tonight um stuffed it went backwards and fumbled um in their game tonight and i don't know i i think i i'm not a big tanner mordecai guy i can't trust him saw too much from oklahoma didn't like it that's what i'm doing i'm going houston here to win and cover going with the cougs lock it in all right now this is the game uh which probably would have been game day at penn state and that kind of wet the bed last week but this is probably the kirk herb street chris fowler 730 abc we got penn state going on the road versus ohio state and ohio state is an 18 and a half point favorite penn state was in the playoff conversation a couple weeks ago yeah like i still question ohio state's defense like this is probably the best offense in college football i think i would say you would probably say through seven games yeah I'm really curious, but we just don't know. Like, we've talked about this Big Ten. Like, they've, yeah, they've been murdering the worst teams in the Big Ten. So we know they're way better than the worst teams. But I really want to see what Ohio State looks like against the second, third, fourth, fifth best teams in the Big Ten. I think right now, Penn State's what? Probably the fifth best team in the Big Ten. But they also have a top six defense. Exactly. They have the best passing defense in the Big Ten. Mm. They've only allowed four touchdowns. Shout out to Joey Porter Jr there you go and they have they have nine interceptions so that's going to be the key and i just i'm i really want to see what ohio state's deep like we haven't like 
going off on a bunch of different tangents here. Sorry. Penn State's offense has not been great this year. So this might not be the offense to challenge Ohio State's defense, but Ohio State's defense has looked susceptible to to getting run on this year. So that's the only reason I'm hesitant of the 18 and a half point spread because I think I could see Penn State scoring, you know, 21, 24 points in this game and uh, and still like Ohio State wins it like fairly easily, but just Penn State does enough to keep it close. So I don't know. I feel like I go back and forth. I definitely see Ohio State winning, but I I, I think I'm going to take Penn State to uh to keep it close. Okay. I think Ohio State blows them out and covers easily. All right. Lock it in. I don't know if you've yeah. seen enough of this Penn State offense as of late, and I don't think Clifford's back or it's been announced. But And also, James Franklin giving the worst answers possible about his future in Happy Valley. <laughs> That's true, honestly. James Franklin is as good as gone. For that reason right there, I should probably And Matt Rule might be getting that job. Whispers Matt that he's Rule? not happy in the NFL, yeah. Oh, wow. Coach at Temple. Okay. Yeah, I um, we, we talked last week on the pod, and... I feel like LSU is going to do something bigger than James Franklin. Franklin feels like USC to me. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. But I think Frank, I think Franklin would kill it at LSU just because he is a good coach, and they've been winning national championships with guys who aren't even good. Yeah, coaches. the last three have won it. Like that, that's the thing we <laughs> talked about with LSU. It's like whoever they hire is going to win a natty. So without a doubt. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it feels like he's already got one foot out the door, but. Um, who knows? I'm quite, I'm already questioning my pick, but I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then moving on, we we got Bronco the Bronco Mendenhall Bowl, the Virginia Cavaliers going on the road cross country at BYU. BYU is a two and a half point favorite at home. I like the Cougs, man. I know I know this Virginia passing attack has been very solid this year, but I think uh, I. Th- this is uh this has got shades of the Brian Kelly versus Cincinnati, right? Like is Bronco Mendenhall is he happy about the move he made to Virginia right now? Like BYU's looking a lot better than Virginia these days. So I um I like the Cougs to win and cover. Mm. Um Brendan Armstrong's the best quarterback in college football no one watches. That man has a cannon. He has put like the the Brennan, the Bronco Mendenhall offense in Virginia this year is preposterous. Like it's a completely different iteration of what we're used to with him, dating back to his time in Cougland. So this the I hope they play each other every year. The, this should be a thing when the coach leaves for somewhere else. Like you just schedule a home and home until that coach you leaves. Automatically have to play him. Yeah, I think that that should I'm be part cool. of the deal. Um, that being said, I think BYU's just got some weird stuff with this offense, but I do think they're better. They should win this one at home. They're the Pac-12 South champs. Give me the give me the Cougs to win and cover. The Pac-12 South ACC independent champs. Just it's like a like a wrestler. He's the intercontinental <laughs> champ as mm-hmm. well. But no, um, that's real. They have one more Pac-12 game, and if they win that one, they they go five and zero in the Pac-12, and someone else will actually represent the Pac-12 South. The, the Pac-12 title and PYU went undefeated against them. How preposterous is that going to be? That is insane, it, and it's unfortunate too because they're just they're right in Pac-12 country, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but 
like we said, geography doesn't matter. Or AAC country, depending on where you are, which is everywhere. <laughs> They're Conference USA country, that's for <laughs> sure. Um, and then we got, going out to the Mountain West, we got the game of the week, or I should say, game of the year mm-hmm. in this conference. This is going to decide the Mountain West, Western division, I would think. Uh, Fresno State, on the road at San Diego State, and the Aztecs are a one-point favorite at home. How you see this one going? San Diego State's defense is legit, man. They are they bottled up our Air Force Falcons last week. Uh, Fresno had a hard fought back Your and Air forth. Falcons, sir, I was all over the Aztecs. Oh, that's right. You don't support the troops. Um, <laughs> Fresno State. Uh, Jake Hayner is a good player. Um, Caleb DeBoer, we've talked about. I think he's going to get a strong look at a lot of Pac-12 jobs. He's not long for Fresno, but. Brady Hoke, I think, is long for San Diego State based on what we saw with him at Michigan. Um, I I like the Aztecs at home here. This defense is legit. I think he is going. Uh, Hager's going to get bounced around in this one. This is uh, it's going to be low scoring. They're not going to be able to score a bunch like uh, Fresno would like. They're they're more uh, they're more versatile on offense than the than the Aztecs. But I like the Aztecs at home here. What what do we do with an undefeated Aztecs team? Oh, that's a good point. Do they go to I mean, New Year's Six? Especially, like, you look at their schedule, like, you stack them up with Cincinnati or it's something. It's a better schedule, right? Yeah, I mean, this Mountain West has been a solid conference so far this year. Like, they have Let's multiple... start the chart. San Diego State over Cincinnati right. in the college football playoff. Yeah, if they beat Fresno, like, this is the last, like, real, like, test, I think, on their schedule. They've allowed 34 points uh, so far in three conference games. I've always called them the Georgia Bulldogs of the West. Yeah, I think that's. I think a lot of people have always called him that. Um, Do you know who they yeah. end their season with though? Who's that? San Diego State. Do you know who they end their season with? Yeah, who they end it with? Boise State at home. Hmm. Okay, and they still got to play Nevada. True. So it's it's not necessarily completely. Tate Martell like, on the docket. Yeah, they're not completely past it, but I like this San Diego State team. They just seem like a good, solid, like you said, Georgia Bulldog. Western Georgia Bulldogs light, I guess mm-hmm. you could call uh, San Diego State. This Same year. color scheme. There you go. Um, Marshall Falk, I know, uh, finished ahead of Garrison Hurst in like the what was it, like ninety two Heisman voting. Rashad Penny went there, went in the first round. Oh yeah, low key uh, running back tradition there at San mm-hmm. Diego State. There's someone else. Who else went there? There was some they, other running back. Did you go the you... Pumphrey? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Is it yeah. Donnell Pumphrey? Is that Donnell name? Pumphrey? That is correct. Pumphrey and who'd you just name? Is it Den- oh, it's Donnell Hump? Is it Humphrey or yeah, it's Donnell Humphrey. Humphrey, right? Mm-hmm. Or is it Humphrey? I can't. It's Humphrey. Remember. It is Humphrey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that him and Penny, they were like back to back. I think right. Mm-hmm. Those were really close to each other. But yeah, running back, I like you. Sam, I like Sam, and Marshall Falk too. If you're gonna be like a position, you you gotta have one to like the big big dogs historically and Marshall Fogg that was about as about as good as it got from like late 90s early 2000s but yeah I'm taking San Diego State as well okay okay I like it I like it um well that covers our pick this week a lot how many do we differ on oh man a bunch let me see here we got um the only ones we agree on completely are Houston, mm. BYU, and Georgia. Okay. And San Diego State. Mm. 
So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. This will this will shake up the standings. But last week we had a bunch of disagreements too. We just missed different games. We end up with both the exact same record. So who knows? Who knows? Matt Green, we can follow you on Twitter at Matt underscore W underscore Green. World's largest outdoor cocktail party this weekend. We call it that even if they don't want to call it that um, for weird reasons. Yeah, um, what do they try to call it now? It's like something river showdown yeah, something <laughs> awful oh speaking of what do you guess as we wrap up here we'll end on this note do you think they play in jacksonville after 2023 i'm getting the sense it's over it kind of feels like it's getting to the end i feel like the fact that kirby smart has actually kind of taken a stance now mm-hmm. instead of just like oh you know that's above my pay grade whatever we play the games like he actually has talked about the neg- negatives that it come that come with it I, for one, like, I know that, like, people have brought up, like, you know, Mike Griffith, you know, he's just super anti-cocktail party, um, Georgia beat writer, and he talks about how Auburn LSU, or, yeah, Alabama LSU, like, when it's such a huge game, it's like you get all these recruits every other year on campus, and it's just like, that's like an opportunity that Georgia and Florida... Yeah, Georgia's really hurting on getting people in the building and on campus they've really struggled in that department as of late well that's yeah without a doubt (laughs) but and so obviously it's not hurting them but they could potentially be doing even better and having a huge. oh so then we need to keep the cocktail party is what we're saying okay but but also a huge game like this in the college town does a lot Mm -hmm. for the economy of each of these college towns i for one i think like people have always talked about like Florida takes a bus to the game. Georgia has to fly. Like, this this is, like, what, two hours from Florida's campus. Like, it's way closer. But that's just, like, that doesn't matter. Like, none of that thing, none of that stuff matters. In the stadium, it's 50-50. And honestly, like, who recruits the other state better? Like, just Florida gets almost nobody out of the state of Georgia. Not that Georgia, they don't get the players Georgia once, at least from the state of Georgia. Georgia is constantly getting players from Florida, specifically Jacksonville too. Like I think this game gives Georgia exposure in the state of Florida. And that's exposure that Florida doesn't get in the state of Georgia, as well as the swamp is a super difficult place to play. I think Georgia fans, like they might want a home game every other year, but going to the swamp every other year like be careful what you wish for like i i could see i i see the arguments both ways like i would like to do some kind of some kind of rotation where maybe you go home home jacksonville some kind of four-year rotation you know where you're you're kind of flipping the sites i think that would be kind of cool but I, I think you might as well keep it in Jacksonville as far as I'm concerned. I know people talk about the city of Jacksonville hasn't done enough to keep the game or whatever like that, but it's an awesome tradition. If, you ever, if you've never been, it's just something, it should be a bucket list item for any college football fan to just go down there and experience the tailgating. And It's like a vacation for Georgia fans in the middle of October or at the end of October to just be able to go down to Florida, go to the beach, do whatever you do down St. Simons, the Golden Isles of Georgia, wh- wherever you go. It's just an awesome tradition. And we don't see, like, Oklahoma, Texas is really the only other big-time neutral site rivalry like this. So while it might help recruiting in the Athens economy or whatever if if you had this game on campus every other year, 
there's just something really cool about this this tradition and this neutral site. So I'm I'm pro Jacksonville, pro cocktail party for sure. All right, Matt Green, always a pleasure, my friend. I will talk to you. Uh, oh, actually, what is our plan for Halloween? You're not a Halloween guy, so I feel like our schedule is not going to change all that much on Sunday. Oh yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not not a Halloween guy, but I've, honestly, the street we live on, I we probably won't. We didn't get any trick or treaters last year. Well, but, there might have been a reason for that, Matt. There was a pandemic going on, of course. But even the street we live on, like. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's safe for kids to be. I don't think on it's a this. safe street anyway. You have your your neighbor coming over cutting your grass. That's it's how a you, dangerous that's how you road. Know it's a, that's how you know it's a great neighborhood. If neighbor, if it's a neighbor, no neighborly uh, street we got here. But this is why I'm living in the mountains. This is why I'm getting a farm in the mountains. Is just I don't want any of that. I don't want the the interaction. Um, where was I recently? Wait, or someone? So I'm the one that hates Halloween. I think you're the one that hates Halloween. No, Halloween's Sounds awesome. Like... I've been watching a bunch of Halloween movies and shows with the. But the you sports don't want any kids coming to your house asking for candy. No, that's fine. No, that's different. That's a kid. Like who? Just be nice to kids. But like, I'm saying adults who get uh, who annoy me. It's really just the adults. I don't like. It's really just the adults who. Where was I recently that made me take out my earbuds because they wanted to talk to me as I was doing my walk around the neighborhood? That that's what true. That that's what grinds my gears, Macarena. You're just the like audacity. A, Someone made you take out your <laughs> earpods. Yeah, I don't like Did you it. Bite them. No, I, I just was very, I was very annoyed and it's just very rude. If I'm anywhere and I have AirPods in or if I'm in a coffee shop or if I'm out working clearly like at a school or whatever, like if I'm in class or like whatever it is, if I've got like I'm in the library and I have headphones on or whatever and you tap me or you look at me or you, you make sure to stop me and be like, Hey, how are you doing? I, we don't need to do this. We don't need to have a conversation. We don't need to talk. I don't know you. I don't want to know you. I'm done. Like I'm, I'm exacerbated. I'm 30, Matt. Like I'm over it. Like we're, we're past all of this. Leave me be. I want my mountain house, all the animals in the world. And then that's, that's it. I think I'm good. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I, I'm just not really a holiday person. What does that even mean? Christmas it's is amazing. To, it's like, what are the cool holidays? I just named one Christmas. You say Christmas, like Christmas is fine. Like I like oh, getting together with people and no, like, that's the worst part. You're missing all the good parts of all no, of these holidays. See, the best part's I, the lights. I believe in the spirit of Christmas. No, I'm just like, but like I, in the, the basic part of Christmas, just mm-hmm. the buying stuff, just to buy it, like makes no sense to me. Like I'm an adult. I can buy things at any time of the year. Like I'm not just going to wait for one time of the year to start buying stuff. You know, that's just me. I think Christmas is so overrated. Not only that, it's just totally just taking over Thanksgiving as well. It can't even... Thanksgiving's the worst holiday. I'll die on this hill. I'll be honest. I think Thanksgiving food is very overrated. Yes. I usually last year we like did something different. It was like but also Thanksgiving is when you get ever. everyone involved. Like there's just so many people at Thanksgiving that you do not connect with all year long, and you're just supposed to create a conversation and just be like, "What do you think about the Lions game at noon?" Yeah, we should uh, we should hang out more. Yeah, it's yeah, like we're yeah, never yeah, seeing sure. each other out of this. All, and I'll see you next November. Yeah, but yeah, that, that was the one thing is that, like my family like we get together and obviously a bunch of big Georgia fans so it was always cool because Stafford would always play on Thursday and so everyone's kind of like low key interested in the Lions but um yeah not anymore but yeah I just feel like there's not many holidays that I just get excited about like like I want to rep St. Patrick's Day because of all the green but it's like I don't care about that holiday like Valentine's Day just 
total overrated holiday. Just like going said, off. Does Tori know about all this? Halloween's fine. Like if you're going to Halloween parties, they're fine. But mm. they're I, I don't have anything against Halloween, but I'm not the guy that is going to throw a Halloween party. Like I'm not going to do that. I'm never throwing a party to begin with. That sounds awful. Throwing a party. <laughs> <laughs> sounds horrific uh, exactly so really all holidays just just grind my gears gosh we're old we are getting old just curmudgeons on this very podcast but matt thank you as always my friend always a pleasure talking college football with you um we'll be back on sunday thanks buddy yes sir all right, that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. Thank you to Matt Green for stopping by on today's show. Remember to follow him again at Matt underscore underscore green on twitter.com. And thank you for listening to today's show. Uh, if you listen to today's episode by Apple Podcast today, make sure to leave this episode and this program a five-star rating and a review to ensure the show continues to grow uh tell a friend too. tell a friend family member colleague whatever about the chase Thomas podcast i greatly appreciate it uh you can keep up with me and the show by following myself on twitter.com at chase double underscore thomas uh follow the show page on twitter.com we just created that one at c thomas podcast um, make sure you like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. You can email me at chase Thomas podcast at gmail.com. Again, that is chase Thomas podcast at gmail.com. Uh, subscribe to my newsletter, uh, Substack newsletter at sports renaissance man.substack.com. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening to today's program and I will talk with you good folks tomorrow. Bye now. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.